panned flute. Yeah. I love a bit of panned flute. Um, I don't know. Reminds me of South America. But I don't know whether it hits the mark. I think it's still slightly off target. We've got more work to do. But that intro music... Look, I can't even say we're getting closer. It, we're going down. We're going down every musical road to explore the options, and that one's a dead end. Maybe one day. Yeah, maybe one day. Some maybe say one. we've worked backwards. Hello and welcome to the Cars Guide podcast, where we tear down and pressure test and rebuild the issues of the automotive week. I'm James, and with me are M4, G'day, and oversteer colleague Tom, Hey, otherwise known as Barry, because his surname's White. This week we'll look at. It's a Kia update. M4 has been rubbing shoulders with the um, the senior senior people at Kia and has turned up some interesting facts and figures. Um, as well as that, Merck's killed off diesel passenger cars in the US, which is an interesting story. But first, Musk Watch. Yes. Muskwatch, we've got Bob Lutz, a senior American car executive, known as an all-around car guy and has worked for the big three, General Motors and Ford and Chrysler, uh, specifically around Jeep as well. He's, he's a retiree now. He's a consultant. He's all things to all people. And he has said that you should get in and buy a Tesla now while they're still available. The clear inference being that Tesla isn't going to be around for a long time. Wow. Pretty strong words, but from a guy who who knows the automotive industry inside and yeah, out. Yeah. He's he's 85. He's yeah. not worried about pulling punches anymore. No. He's come out and said this. And basically, he said what a lot of us have been thinking yeah. or a lot of people may have been thinking. And he's ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yeah. Getting quick. It's like a tucker. You know, <laughs> you know that this company may not be around for very long, but uh, yeah, it's going to be worth money one day. Yeah. Do you think that's a bit premature? Do you, do you think that uh, in saying that, you know, t- Tesla's a bit, they operate very differently from mm. a traditional car company in, in pretty much every way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, bleeding money is one thing, but then again, it seems as though they also have deep pockets to bleed out of. So, so. Anyway, so, you know. I reckon it's hilarious. That's good. That's Musk Watch this week. Bob Lutz has given it a, you know, a thumbs down. <laughs> so interesting work, Bob. And we'll see whether or not your prediction comes true. Um, also, want to give you a quick update. We touched last week on uh, the Dakar Rally, and that there was our very own Australian um, in the running, Toby Price, yep. who's in the motorcycles. He's a previous winner of of that event. He ultimately came in second in the bikes, which is a brilliant effort for such an arduous event. And former World Rally champion and former winner of the Dakar, Carlos Sainz, won in the cars in a Peugeot, and Peugeot promptly decided that they were going to actually select reverse on that category they're not going to go in Dakar rally anymore wow and they're going to go to rallycross so okay you know nothing like going out on a high yeah you I know. guess Volkswagen rally a couple of years ago you know went yeah. out on a high bye yeah. guys yeah I suppose so we've conquered this <laughs> I'm, I'm not close enough to the whole Dakar thing to understand what that means for the event mm. Peugeot um, pulling out but it's probably a pretty big deal given yeah. that the winning car won't be there next time around yeah yeah but I see a lot of the promotional t- material has that Peugeot truck it? in it yeah. okay well, look, it'll still be mad no matter what. They could be in billy carts and it would still be insane. So um, the, the event won't lose its essentialness yeah. um, through any of that. Um, that's that update. M4, yes. you've been rubbing shoulders with various Kia people yep. and you were doing some news hounding 
while you were there. You were down in Melbourne and actually attending a certain tennis tournament. Yes, that's right. Funnily enough, Kia being a major sponsor of that tournament, there were some Kia people there and you doorstopped them. And what, what, what came out of this? The, the future's coming at them and they know it. Yeah, they do. Um, primarily SUVs. We'll talk about that first. Um, they tend to believe that the SUV segment is going to keep growing and they're not alone in thinking that sure Um, but they do have an issue in that they don't have a small suv that they think will fit for the australian needs so internationally there are two suvs that kia builds the stonic which is a silly name sounds like a brand of vodka yeah you know the cheap vodka that's always about (laughs) you know on sale (laughs) (laughs) um and then there's the Miro, which is more of a US-focused hybrid sort of thing. Miro, okay. Yeah. And so neither of those apparently fit what they want in Australia. Because here we're talking CX3, we're talking CHR, yep. that kind of stuff. HRV, Qashqai, XV, right. that sort of yep. rival. So essentially to sit below the Sportage mm. and not be the Soul or the Rondo, which are two other cars that sit below the Sportage but don't really fit what they want either. Yeah. So they basically said that the Soul, no one buys boxy cars, so that won't work. Yes. Um, which is really strange. I mean, in Australia, no one buys boxy cars, but the, the, sorry, the Soul in America is a massive, massive seller because okay. they sell them so cheap. I see. Um, I, see. I remember seeing a deal once upon a time. It was probably um, six or seven years ago, though, uh, where you could... If you leased one Kia Soul for $99 a month, they'd give you a free <gasps> Kia Soul for $99 a, a month. It was a bog off. So That's you ridiculous. were paying 99 a month wow. for two Kia, Kia Souls. Souls. So this was obviously a very limited edition thing. There's got to be a shoe joke in there somewhere. Yeah. Two Souls. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> not that I can think of right now. Isn't the Soul the, the car that they, they wanted to market to young people, mm-hmm. but then to their horror, only old people bought it? Exactly. I think it, I think yeah. it was dollars, wasn't it? It, it was possibly um, just out, it, of, it out was, of reach of it, the intended market. It was unattainable for a lot yeah. of the people they were trying to get to, but it was definitely attainable to those people who were getting a little bit older in age maybe their hips were starting to go and but they're forever young yeah (laughs) baby boomers are forever young do you remember that original soul and it had um the subwoofers with the lights and they pulse to the beat yeah Yeah. so anyway we're getting off topic um so essentially they've said that um they want so for the stonic it was pitched more as a european offering Mm. so therefore smaller engines lower outputs not really suitable for what they want they think they probably need a two liter four cylinder or a 1.6 turbo, um, like the Hyundai Kona. But it's interesting, example. isn't it? CHR's a 1.2 turbo, is it mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. So uh, the CHR's been well received. Yeah. I think that resistance to capacity or the perceived power of a certain capacity is probably diminishing a bit. You'd think, yeah. 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 And so, but they've said that that won't work. So okay. having okay. that sort of offering. But I think it's also to do with what the vehicle is and what it looks like. And right. I think there are... That's obviously the thing that people are buying in that segment is something that looks different. I mean, you have a look at what is in there. Some of those cars in that segment aren't run-of-the-mill, normal or potentially conventional-looking cars. Yes. Mm. So there's definitely space there for Kia to fill that gap. They will fill it, apparently, within four years, we've been told. Right, right. the, the market by then the horse may have bolted yeah you know? the market is it's maturing right quickly yeah already like yeah. there's some cars in like hrv's been around for mm. three or four years now and uh, it's it's probably time where they think a little bit quicker than that and hopefully they can be a little bit quicker than that 
to get a car to market. Well, like Toyota was seen as late to the party with CHR. Yeah. It's been around for a while now. Yeah. yeah. And do, do you think we'll be seeing the second generation of some of these cars soon? Um, possibly. I and don't that know. Kia would have to enter against second generation versions, improved versions of competitors. There's there's every chance. I mean, for all of us who have driven, for example, the Honda HRV with its 1.8 litre normally aspirated engine, and then you drive a, a Honda Civic with a 1.5 turbo and you go, wow, this is so much better than that 1.8. You sort of think, well, there's updates coming. Um, downsized engines will happen. Mm. You can't really avoid it for too much longer. Mm. And, you know, I think there is a reality there that maybe Kia hasn't looked at that sometimes people don't care that much about what's in there as long as it does what it should do. Agree. And that's kind of, that kind of brings us to our next point about the next story, which I wrote, which was about um, the Kia Rio. And some Kia people there just to enjoy the tennis. Yeah. That's <laughs> at them, at them. Dragging this stuff out of them. Um, so they admitted that it could do even better than it is doing with a better drivetrain. Yeah. And I think that the criticism has been pretty well level across the board from anyone who's reviewed a Kia Rio that the drivetrain is underwhelming. So it's a 1.4 litre. Yep. There's a four-speed auto. auto. Six-speed manual, which is fine, but four-speed auto is... It feels like ancient history, doesn't it? Yeah, woefully outdated. Yeah, Yeah. it's a bit out of date, right? So there's there's good... there's a good reason for people to question that sort of powertrain in a completely new generation car, you know? It was... And also, in the previous generation, Rio, they had a 1.6 with direct injection where they've gone back to a multi-point injection 1.4 in this engine. So it's, it's a backward step for the car and not necessarily passing on any huge benefit to the buyer because it's not like it's heaps, heaps cheaper. Sure, it's got better equipment and better safety. That's 100% on the money, but... Um, it hasn't really hurt sales, which is kind of weird. Um, it went up 13.2% yeah. in 2017. It's, so a, it's a good-looking car. Like going back to that point about how cars look is mm-hmm. more important than the drivetrain. Yeah. That just goes to show, you know, you put a good-looking car out on the market, even with a subpar drivetrain, people still buy it. Yeah. But I suppose the thing, it's a bit like a, ta- a time lag um, situation mm-hmm. um, in that people are still buying the car but maybe not too far in the future they'll realise that from an economy point of view, from an efficiency point of view, gee, this isn't really where it needs to be. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go elsewhere. So the people at uh, Kia here in Australia are, you know, cluey enough to realise they've got to get ahead of that. Yeah, and I made the point at the at the uh, discussion that this was, you know, this is coming from people who have driven everything in the segment where a lot of Rio buyers, according to Kia, are people who have already owned a Rio. Yes. So they're going back for another buyer. They're yes. That's their, it's their second most well-known nameplate in Australia behind yeah. Carnival. So they have uh, people that are you know across the Rio brand. They know what it's about. They know what they're getting. This time around, it's a better car fundamentally yeah. in terms of yeah. steering, dynamics, comfort, yeah. space, practicality. All that stuff mm. is ticked except mm. for the drivetrain. So well, I suppose Kia's increasing success in Australia gives them a slightly louder voice at the factory. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're, yeah, you're doing well down there, and you're not happy. Well, we'll see what we can do to accommodate you. Yeah. So I suppose that's their struggle. But the all the other side of that is that we're apparently the only market that's ah. whinging about it. Ah, okay. mm. And I mean that brings us to a different thing that has just popped up online um there's the kia rio gt line yes so you'd think gt line wow we might finally get a good drivetrain no same thing so it's gonna get a one liter triple turbo which is 
but with the manual only. So sorry, just to be clear, three cylinder car three cylinder. with a turbo, not three turbos. No. <laughs> okay, triple turbo. Yeah. That's what you said. No, well, sorry, I take it back. Uh, one liter turbocharged three cylinder. cylinder thank you. Yep. With a six-speed manual, no okay. automatic. So okay. that would rule that out for Australia yeah. because it's a 95% auto you need market. auto, yeah. Um, then there's the 1.25, which is also in the Picanto, but they don't offer it here. Oh, Could you imagine that engine in that car? Way too much weight. And then there's the 1.4, which we do get, which we still think is underpowered. So, It'd be a product planner. Uh, they it's must. A, it's just I do <laughs> pity the... Oh, the nitpicking and conversations. But also when you're dealing, and I'm not talking about personalities, but you're just dealing with such a massive global car maker. And despite Kia doing pretty well here, we're tiny, Mm -hmm. like a little drop in the ocean. And to try and be this little squeaky voice, we want a different engine. And you you know where it's difficult. It's a struggle. And there's a different element to it as well, is that Europe is buying plenty of them and emissions are so strict in Europe, then they're buying plenty of the smaller engine cars, which meet those emissions regulations and therefore give them a, a benefit uh, for registration and that yeah. sort of stuff. So. Anyway, look, at, it'd be, we'll, I think we'll leave it there. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it'd be great to hear from anyone who's in, in currently in a rear, in, in current car, see what you make of it. Mm-hmm. What do you make of the four-speed auto? Has the engine been disappointing for you? It'd be great to, to get some feedback Definitely. Uh, from anyone who's out there. But the second bit of news that we'll move on to is that Merck in the US has uh, put a blindfold um, on and given it a last cigarette. It's uh, the diesel <laughs> diesel engine uh, for passenger cars in the US. They've simply moved away from, from diesel. What's M4, you again, What what's the background to that one? So apparently they've basically the head of R&D for Mercedes, Ola Kalenius, who a few of us have met and spoken with in the past. Good old Ola. He's a good guy. Yeah. Um, and he's said that diesels only account for about 3% of sales in that market. Right. Um, and it just doesn't fit into the portfolio in the US. That was a quote. So yep. that's, I mean, it makes perfect sense. You look at the US market, everybody knows it's a petrol car market. Sure. So for them to go, you know what, we'll just do it in the Sprinter, which is a commercial vehicle, yes. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. A lot of complexity taken out. Mm. You know, people know that they're going to go into a showroom, yeah. they're going to have all these different options of cars, all with different options of petrol engines that yes. are all efficient and powerful. Yeah. So I think every every petrol engine that they offer is turbocharged now. Yeah. So they've got that sort of element covered mm. um, but then there's yeah diesels just don't well, sell it, it seems as though there probably won't be any implications for Australia out of that because Australia no. doesn't mind a diesel no um, you know Tom where do you stand on, on diesel versus petrol there, there, there used to be a lot of stigma it's a it's a little bit messy filling them up at the Bowser because mm-hmm. that filmy stickiness to, to the diesel the car drives differently, lots of torque, but doesn't rev. Where do, where do you stand with diesel? Do you like a diesel drive? I think it makes sense for Australia now, especially talking about engines getting smaller and smaller, and we're talking about now getting triples, you know, three cylinders. Uh, they're not going to be able to tow. Uh, a lot of people, you yeah, know, they yeah, need to point. tow in Australia, yeah, uh, or they need to go up a hill. Or, you know, there's, there's I think there are certain uh, requirements that this country has uh, that makes diesel much more appealing yeah, here. And I think I don't see... 
them pulling diesel here easily. Mm. Not the same as in the US. And, you know, that 3% number, that's only going to drop after Dieselgate. And now the EPA, it even says here, are investigating Fiat Chrysler. So, you know, yeah. consumer confidence in diesel, very low. You, mm-hmm. you um, what part of your, your role here involves shuffling cars around from here to there. Mm-hmm. Have you ever got into a car and not realised it's a diesel? Or have you always been aware that it's actually a diesel engine under the bonnet? I usually work it out pretty quickly just from having a quick gaze at the... Uh, uh, speedometer and oh, such. Oh, the rev, the rev counter? Rev yeah, counter. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm trying to say here. Uh, you know, it, if it tops out early, it's a diesel. Uh, yeah, you do get the occasional moment where you're driving it and you have to have a second thought. Yeah, um, yeah. Mercedes-Benz can be one of them. Uh, Volkswagen as well. Because they're, they're, yeah. they're really quiet now. Yeah, they're yeah. quiet yeah. and smooth. And yeah. a lot of the sort of you know shuntiness from drivetrains and such that, you know, is prevalent in the past, now less so with dual clutch autos yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's... It's like driving a petrol, you know. Yeah. And a lot of modern day petrol cars have that direct injection sort of tackiness yes. when you boot them up. So yes. you, you can hear this sort of tacky, 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 tacky. And it's like, what is that? Like, yeah. why why does it sound like a diesel? But it's, it's sound- just the operation of the engine kicking into life. Yeah, so. sounds pretty tacky to me. There are some <laughs> cars I've driven which I've had to do a double take and wonder if it's... It's actually a diesel, not a petrol, yeah, even yeah. though it is a petrol. Right, I, think, right. I think the... Uh, Alfa Romeo uh, Julia. I, yep. I drove one of those a little while ago, and it the revs maxed out quite low. And I think that was just the way the engine was set up because yep. I pulled up at the Bowser and I had to do like a quadruple check that it wasn't yeah, a right. diesel. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Well, look, speaking of diesel and petrol, one company that across the breadth of its offering uh, is very much into both of those uh, means of internal combustion is Jaguar Land Rover. Mm-hmm. And uh, JLR, as the name implies, has both Jaguar and Land Rover under the one umbrella. And uh, Range Rover, the more premium end of the Land Rover lineup, is about to launch a coupe at the Gene- Geneva Motor Show. We've seen it in its weird and wonderful camouflage out in the field in pre-production testing. And it just brings up this whole issue where Jaguar's got uh, an SUV and now Land Rover through Range Rover is going to make a coupe, which is kind of an SUV, but getting more towards a coupe. It sounds like juggling this whole portfolio of models is becoming a little more difficult mm. as the lines between them get a little more blurry. What, what do we know? Tom, what do we know about the, the coupe Range Rover? Not a lot. No? Uh, the only official photograph has been a top-down of the seating arrangement. Mm. Um so there are seats. We know that much. Yeah, there are seats Fantastic. and there's four, four of them. Four? Um, okay, four. Great. We're getting there. And there will be an option to have different <laughs> coloured seats. So we know that much as well. Superb. There's we, black we seats in the back. We are so on the pace. And <laughs> it's just four wheels on the ground? <laughs> well, yeah. A spy photo is there. I wasn't sure what to make of this. Um, I think because this is a limited kind of... They're only going to make 999 of them... Um, I think it's kind of it's it's more verging into fan service than right. brand cannibalism. Okay. Because uh, recently, of course, the classic works are going to rework a few defenders, make them V8s, mm-hmm. uh, like you know the good old days. All those people buying Range Rovers, and uh, of course, the original Range Rover two door, two door it was. Yeah. Um, so I think I think we're verging more into fan service than brand cannibalism. I suppose so. I mean. It would be hard to characterise the original Range Rover as a coupe. I think it was just yeah. a, a two-wheel, two-door, beg your pardon, yeah. uh, four-wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah. And Range Rover has become a much more premium kind of thing yeah. over those intervening decades. But, yeah, that's interesting. So it's low volume and it's probably just meeting a specific niche type well, demand. Yeah, they've, they've called it the world's first l- full-size luxury SUV coupe. So. Right. <laughs> 
I don't know what that means. No. Um, it means no. the original one wasn't one. So yeah. this one is. Yeah. Maybe they've had one that was a scale model before. Like yeah. if this is full size, <laughs> yeah, that's a first. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it means either. Scale. Um, but yeah, it'll apparently feature a seductive body design. I, I'm like, if this is going to be full size, like a regular Range Rover, like yeah. not a Range Rover Sport, not a Evoque, not a Velar, like full size. Yes. Imagine how big the doors are going to be. Mm, immense. Yeah, absolutely massive. Immense. Now, that'll be an interesting car to have a look at because it's always difficult uh, to make out exactly what it's going to be like when it is covered in that psychedelic-style uh, camouflage uh, wrap. Yep. But uh, Geneva, all that'll be gone and we'll have a look at it. So we might check back on, on it once we've, we've been able to see it in the bare metal. But let's move on to what's in our garage because we do have a fairly significant SUV in the garage at the moment and that's the Porsche Macan. Um, and I've I've been steering that one, uh, M4. What have, what's what's been mainly your uh, mode of transport this week? Um, yesterday, only yesterday, I took home the Volkswagen Arteon. Ah, fantastic! Which, which yeah. I was I was really looking forward to. Like, uh-huh. uh, it's a car that I think is probably one of the best looking cars mm. on the market. Agree, right now. agree. Um, it's got like it's got these lines at the front of it that just. It, it all works really well together. It's got these 20-inch wheels that are like Tesla-like, yes. if I may use that. All right. Um, they're like a turbine fan design and they look beautiful. Great. And they're in a shadowy sort of colour. And it's it's a really impressive car in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, you know, five-door coupe, I hate saying that, but yeah, it's right. a five-door sportback sort of liftback thing yes. like an Audi A5. But with a tapering roof line yeah. in, in the coupe style. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so there's a good amount of room in there. I mean, yeah. if you're too tall, you'll struggle in the back, but that's just par for the course. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a really nice thing to drive. Yeah. I might, you know, I was a little bit upset by that it didn't feel quite as punchy as I thought it would. All right. Um, I mean, in... In a normal mode, it can be quite lazy with the transmission. Like, mm. leave it in third gear and you're going around a corner and it's just like labouring. shift it to the sport mode and it's too sporty? No, it no. It goes too far? Yeah, so sport mode was probably how I would want it to feel normally. Right. Great. Um, there's a comfort mode which also adjusts the suspension. Yep. And it makes it uh, quite floaty. So, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> we're driving along the wow. freeway last night and my girlfriend says to me, it's a bit bit boaty like it's really? a bit wobbly because like, it looks so low yeah. and wide and planted so yeah. for it to feel like that behind the wheel is surprising yeah really surprising but on the whole like wow i'd like to have one sitting in my driveway oh, full good time. On <laughs> well that's not bad because i'd like to have a mccann sitting in my driveway of course. too. It, um, <laughs> it's the, the the one that we've been driving is the entry point in fact to the entire porsche lineup in australia so it's around $80,000, which is by far and away um, the least expensive way into a Porsche. Mm-hmm. Four-cylinder, two-litre turbo petrol, seven-speed dual clutch, yet the equipment level is really impressive. The finish and fit and all of that is, as you'd expect, absolutely top shelf. Dynamically, it's really enjoyable to drive. It gets up and runs much more quickly than I thought it would. Um, it's been a really uh, quite a revelation because um, I know that a lot of people have their um, reservations about SUVs from a brand like Porsche. You know, we've had Ferrari saying it's going to build an SUV, Lamborghini SUVs, on it goes, this tidal wave of SUVs washing over everything. But um, I absolutely enjoy the driving experience in that Macan. I think it's terrific. Um, now, Tom, 
you've been shuffling various sets of wheels this week. What's your standout? What what uh, struck you as the most interesting or or um, exceptional one? I've actually only drew one car this week. Oh, actually, well, that's not true. Then. I oh, drove no. I drove the Volvo V40 last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look. So what was the other one though? Oh, the other one was the uh, Kia Sorento GT 2.2 diesel all-wheel drive. Wow. That's okay. A mouthful. But you, go. but you're going to opt for the Volvo as the more interesting. Well, I haven't one. driven a Volvo as in a brand new Volvo in quite some time. Mm. Okay. Uh, grew up with a few Volvos, and it it was yeah. kind of nice, even though it's kind of a you know a new car to see. Some of that Volvo quaintness was still there. Yeah. Right. You and know. Great. I was going to say, uh, brand new is maybe a little bit generous <laughs> to, the, to the V40. <laughs> it's, it's been around uh, since twelve. Ready right. to sort of move on yeah. to yeah. better things yeah. um, it'd be interesting in the next gen one actually because I think that the uh, V60 and the uh, V90 is that what it's called? XC90 XC90 yep. XC60 XC90 that's yeah. it yep. XC60 XC90 they look amazing they're some of the best pieces of design out on the automotive market at the moment I think mm-hmm. uh, you know you guys might disagree with me but the way I look at it is there's nothing ov- overtly aggressive about it they're not trying to go really sporty they're not trying to make the design doesn't make any promises it can't keep I think yeah. it, it's just elegant yeah um, which is something that isn't super common these days in car design so anyway I yeah. hope that the next v40 can sort of managed to bring some of that down a few sizes. I for, I for one think Volvo is kind of this secret. There's just not much noise um, coming out of Volvo about what I believe is a really interesting and high-quality range of products. It's, um, it's interesting you say that because the sales numbers tend to reflect that maybe there isn't enough being known about exactly. Volvo. Exactly, they've been stagnating. They were down 21% Sand. in and Australia last year. they've got some, they've got some great cars. On the, and that was a launch year for XC60 and V90. These mm. are great cars mm. I know. that people just don't know about. They don't. I think they've really got to pick up their game in marketing. I agree. And they've, got, they've absolutely got the, the brand reputation mm-hmm. um, and the heritage and the current product range to do it yeah. uh, there's nothing really there's no impediments I, you know and the great thing is i feel like they haven't they like nothing really truly bad has come out of the chinese ownership sure uh, like they've just said you know let the swedes design the cars the way they would and they mm-hmm. look great and okay. fantastic and i really hope now that that same company owns lotus they can do the same thing for lotus yeah <laughs> all right well look it's time to take a quick break and have a word from those lateral thinkers at oversteer When you're done listening to these old farts ramble on... Can I tell a story? Come and listen to the Oversteer Podcast, where we talk about the stuff that kids love. Story time with Mitchie Boy. Yeah, because if I don't try, I will fail. (laughs) (laughs) You know how you roll into a petrol station and you're like... (sighs) Would you rather be designated driver for a group of kids on a sugar high... Or a group of super drunk adults. Yes, the Oversteer podcast has everything. And you can find it on the Cars Guide website, iTunes, and where all good podcasts are sold. Okay, and uh, look, we're, we're close. We're close. We're close to, uh, to time being called. But some of you may be thinking, asking that question that's on everyone's lips, where's Frosty? Um, Frosty was going to be in here today. He had committed once again. It's kind of disappointing, but... I haven't lost faith in him yet. He's such a terrific guy. We've had some train, public transport type issues in Sydney and that's where we're recording the podcast this week. Frosty's lost somewhere 
in the train network. I've I've had um, <laughs> communication with him. I think he was on a platform in Punchbowl. Is there is there a train line to Punchbowl? Oh, there might have there been might once be. before. Anyway, and then I heard. I don't from know if him, there is any more. He was up north somewhere towards Hornsby, oh. and he was calling. He was completely lost. He's he's not going to be here today, but we will get there. We will have Frosty in the studio. He's got the new material. Um, we'll be running some uh, fantastic promotions for our good friends at the Winton Motor Company. Of course, Frosty, for those who don't know, is Frosty Chops, head of, mo- head of media communications at the Winton Motor Company. So we look forward to welcoming him next week. And with that, I think we have indeed reached the finish line. Thank you, M4. Thank you. And Barry. Thank you. Thanks too to Barbara on the sliders. He doesn't see the glasses half full or half empty, just twice as big as it needs to be. And thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show or anything else that's on your mind. Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CG Podcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Remember to subscribe and please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps spread the word on the podcast. I hope you can join us next week. Until then, as well-known US columnist Earl Wilson once said, If you think nobody cares if you're alive, try missing a couple of car repayments.